The OMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. Innistrad is coming soon, and StarCityGames.com is your source for boxes, cases, fat packs, intro packs, complete sets, and singles. Head on over to StarCityGames.com and pre-order Innistrad today. everybody, and welcome to episode 74 of Yo! MTG Taps. Jesus. I'm Joey Pasco. <laughs> and Big Head Joe, 74. Yeah, pretty crazy. Good God. Now, 24 episodes ago, we had uh, we had Jerry Thompson on for episode 50, so uh, we decided it was about time for him to come back. So welcome, Jerry Thompson, to the show. Yeah, I mean, it's not like uh, I'm supposed to be here because I just won some tournaments or anything, right? Oh, did you, did you win something recently? What's that? Uh, I... <laughs> I, I took my FNM and then I uh, split a four three two two. So I figured, <laughs> and is that on, kind of a big deal? That's on that magic online thing, right? Is that? Yeah, yeah. That last part. Oh, that's, wow, cool. That's uh, on that newfangled internet. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you who, who don't know, which is pretty much nobody, um, Jerry Thompson is the first person to win both. Events, both constructed events on a Star City Open Series weekend. I think if anybody had to guess who was going to do it, I, th- I mean, I would have put my money on you or Edgar Flores. Those are some risky bets to make, you know, only pick like the two best people playing on the circuit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that was, <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that was a fair, uh, fair guess. But, you know, Alex, uh, Alex isn't too bad, but I, I think uh, you guys are probably the best. Uh, are you guys actually? I haven't checked the the standings. I don't think they've been updated recently. But as far as like the the player of the year for for Star City, like are you uh, are you at the top now or are you uh, like? No, I'm, I'm I'm actually still behind Edgar. Okay, <laughs> I kind of suspected that might be the case. But you're like right on his heels, I guess. Do you know uh, Do you know the numbers? Uh, I th- I think he has two fourteen, and I have one ninety nine. Okay, and Alex has one ninety ish. Okay, so I mean it is still kind of close. Right, right. I mean, there's so many events left too, so that can that can change significantly if uh, if anybody suddenly just goes on a tear or just decides to stop doing as well as they have been. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's why I wasn't worried before. You know, like I was dropping when I was five and two and not grinding out extra points and stuff. Because I mean, you just have one weekend like this, and then you cover up so much ground. So. Yeah, it, it's a pretty crazy weekend. Now, like, all right, I guess let's just go right into uh, talking about the weekend. For standard, you you won with Callblade. Now, we've had three weekends in a row where some version, some new version of Callblade post-bannings has uh, has won the event. And not only that, but it has even been, uh, I mean, I think every week it's been more and more copies in the top eight. Um, I mean, there's there's the Hero Blade version. Uh, which kind of seemed to dominate this top eight, but then y- you're playing the non-Hero Blade version. I know uh, Hero of Bladehold was a card you said you hated in your last article. Um, yeah, the card just doesn't really do anything. Like, if, if they can't kill a creature that you're casting, you know, then you're probably going to beat them with whatever you play. Mm-hmm. But I would like to plan on my opponents, like, you know, typically having a Dismember or an Oblivion Ring or something, so... I'm just, just saying, uh, Mirror Angel is better than Hero. Yeah. Right on. So, um, looking at these decks, though, uh, it, it's they're actually almost two clearly kind of different strategies. Uh, the Hero and Blade Splicer versions seem a lot more aggressive. Um, like I know there's kind of a uh, kind of a lot of discussion on if if uh, they should even have the same name. You know, the Call Blade. I guess. Lauren, I think, ended up calling them Hero Blade. Yeah, Hero Blade on the uh, on the standings list or the uh, deck lists. Like, yeah, they're they're definitely they're just different decks. For your your list, you you did the uh, the ponder preordained split like three uh, three preordained one ponder. Like, how, what was that? Uh, I know I know you mentioned that in your article a little bit that you wanted to try that. Like, is that 
something that you felt like worked better than just four preordain? Uh, well, drawing multiple ponders is always, or multiple preordains, excuse me, is, is mm-hmm. always good. Mm-hmm. But if you draw multiple ponders, like you play one and you don't have a shuffler, and then you have the second one, you don't get a lot of value off of it. Like you want to be able to cast ponder and then shuffle immediately after. And it just felt like drawing one is always fine, mm-hmm. and then you're fine with drawing multiple preordains. So like three and one seemed like the correct split, and then the twisted image was in there just to basically be. Like I knew that him, Dave Shields, and like Nick Spagnuolo, a bunch of other people were going to be playing his blue white deck with Bellscud. I wanted to kill those so like I could O ring the things I wanted to O ring. But that going forward, like people are going to copy my list instead of theirs, so the twisted image could become a ponder maybe. Okay, so you'd go with like actually five, you know, kind of cantrips. Yeah, because I, I I'll normally play twenty seven land, and this weekend I played twenty six and. Occasionally, like, I just go back to see how I feel with 26 land or, like, to remind me why I'm playing 27. And I felt kind of light this weekend. I think I would have liked to have a, another colonnade in my sideboard or something. But against the aggro decks, you needed to draw a bunch of spells and stuff, so it was fine. And uh, I don't know. It, it seemed I like... where I was going with this. Yeah. Was the... <laughs> what, what, the, <laughs> the uh... Like, basically five cantrips, you know, like, going with... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So, so like, playing four cantrips in 26 land kind of sucks, but, like, having five and 26 feels about right. Okay. Yeah, I, like, uh, I tried uh, Nick and Edgar's list from, from last week, and, I mean, I, it was after I had read your article talking about the, uh, the Ink Moth Nexuses in the list, and um, I... It was almost, like, exactly what you said kept coming true for me where I'd have opening hands with like two tech edges and an ink moth nexus and and it was just yeah. ridiculous I couldn't seem to get a hand well it, it was having a lot of trouble just drawing my colorless uh producers and not getting colored mana producers so uh it w- yeah, didn't surprise me like <laughs> to see the ink moths cut that, from your list yeah and that deck only has 26 land too you know so it's it's so bad to play seven colorless lands like tech edge is fine depending on the matchup, like, it's either really good or really bad for the most part, and then Ink Moth is just, like, pretty meh the entire time. So it just seems so greedy to do that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, in in the experience that I had, I'm, I'm kind of happy to uh, to cut the Ink Moth Nexuses for just more color uh, colored mana producers. Um, yeah. It just makes a lot more sense. Um one thing, I guess, looking at the last few weeks, I know we've had it, today is what August second, and uh, so we've had Jason Stoneforge out of the picture for a month now, and the last three tournaments have been dominated by these Callblade lists. <laughs> like, how do you guys actually, Joe? You too. Like, how do you guys feel about the fact that like, it, it, like the bannings in general almost seem like? I mean, it's not like they had no effect, but it obviously doesn't seem like uh, the kind of effect that they wanted to have. I personally think that it's fine. Like, I think that it just is a testament to how strong the deck really was. Um, You know, blue-white control is a really strong, probably the, apparently, the best strategy right now in standard. And, you know, and then results reflect that. Um, I think that Stoneforge Mystic and Jace uh, together made the deck unfair. Um, I think that the deck is certainly fair now. It's just counter spells and creatures and stuff. You know what I mean? It's not like some kind of like unsolvable riddle. It's just a lot of quality cards put together in a deck that happens to do really well. Um, I think Aaron Forsyth, Aaron Forsyth said something on Twitter similar to that. He said it's like last year's Jund. Like, here's a bunch of good cards. Can yeah, you answer I, them? That kind of thing. Right. Exactly. I saw that tweet. Um, okay. But, yeah. Um, I mean, that's how it feels right now. I mean, I think that Stoneforge Mystic and Jace being banned were the right call. Um, I think that those cards made the deck unfair. Um, and, and just not fun to play against, especially for, like, newer players. But... Um, I think that right now the deck is fair. It's just the best deck. I mean, that happens, you know? Okay. Jerry, what did you think? Well, I think the whole situation is kind of hilarious because, like, like Joe was saying, Mystic and Jace were definitely unfair. 
But the fact that they took those out means that, like, if you play a mirror match against a worse opponent, they can't just, like, out-mystic you or out-jace you. So now, especially with Oblivion Ring now, too, it's like they could play a Gideon or, like, a Sphinx or some sort of Titan or whatever, and, like, you have answers to everything. The game is going to go long. They're going to make a lot of, like, tactical errors and mistakes. It's just so much harder to lose a mirror match now. So I feel like it's just even worse than it was before because if a good person wants to play blue-white, like, they're probably going to win. And you felt like ha- them having access to Jason Stoneforge actually gave them a better chance at, at winning, uh, like, a mirror well, match. Like, old, old Callblade, uh, you'd see, like, you know, bad people top eight with it or whatever, or you'd see Edgar, like, lose the occasional mirror match on a weekend to knock him out of top eight and stuff. But, like, now it's be really, really hard for us to lose those mirror matches, especially if people are playing, like, Hero Blade Hold and stuff. Like, the deck that I played is insane against the, the Hero Splicer versions. How do you feel about, like, the power of, of the deck now? Like, I, I don't mean necessarily comparing this version of Callblade to the old one, but I mean comparing this version of Callblade to the rest of the metagame. Um... It still feels more powerful. It's just kind of... I mean, it's definitely a different deck. Like, you have to build it a little differently and slow it down because you don't have things like Tick and Jace that are so cheap and just, you know, right the game. So you have to play, like, Day of Judgment again and stuff like that, and Consecrated Sphinx is, like, the most powerful thing you can be doing. But, I mean, it's still tough to beat, like, removal counterspells, card drawing, like, Squadron Hawks, where it's like there's still coming at you from a bunch of different angles. The the good people are not going to lose mere matches, you know? We're like 90-10 favorites or whatever. And as the tournament goes on and on, like, you're not going to play against a bad pl- playing a blue-white deck because, like, the good people are probably going to knock those people out. And then, like, the good people playing blue-white are always going to have, like, that edge against someone playing a red deck or whatever. So, like, it seems like this blue-white is even more unfair than the last one. Yeah, it's to me. It seems like uh, I feel like their intention with with having these bannings was to kind of diversify the format because there were all these Callblade decks, but it didn't really do that. It just kind of made a new version of Callblade dominant, even though, even if it's more fair, uh, which you know I guess is debatable. But um, it's obviously weaker than it was. But even so. Like if you're if the casual kind of uh, yeah. player looks at the the top eights of lists from June and then compares them to lists from July, well not not lists but just the deck names. Just looking at it, they think it's the same the same list. The same thing is still winning and dominating. And uh, you know, yeah. even if even if they just look at a list and they say, oh okay, well this doesn't have those you know, Jace, the, the Mind Sculptor, and Stoneforge Mystic in it, but otherwise, it's almost the same. So I feel like for uh, from the perspective of maybe more casual players, I feel like they're going to be just as frustrated when they see something like that. And uh, and even the – you, you kind, kind of can kind of see it uh, – you can kind of see it on Twitter or, or things when you look at the uh, people that hashtag things SCG Pittsburgh or whatever – Whatever event is that weekend when they're making you know snarky comments about oh Callblade is dominating the top eight and dominating the top sixteen it's yeah it's almost it, like nothing honestly changed. honestly what's worse for like a new ish or like more casual player like having them face down Stoneforge Mystic into Batterskull and just die or have the game go on for thirty minutes where they just can't do anything. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's another. Like their opponent is in control the entire time, but they're having a tough time actually killing. Right. I mean, I guess it, that's the whole thing with uh, what a lot of people would kind of compare even old Callblade to some more like broken decks where they would say, well, at least in this game, you at least feel like you're playing the game or at least against old Callblade, it felt like you were playing the game. And then th- the same applies to, to new Callblade as compared to old Callblade, where uh, at least they feel like they're playing magic for a while. And that maybe gives people the, the illusion that they have a chance, even though they probably don't. Yeah, but it's still just like death by a thousand stings, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's- I think it's I think it's really interesting because when we had Flores on, he was saying that um, the standard format was incredibly skill intensive, um, and and that was before the bannings. 
Mm-hmm. And um, and I think actually, if I'm not mistaken, we debated the bannings on that also with him. Is that correct? Yeah, I don't think it it was before bannings were announced or anything. Right. Um, but I think it's really interesting that Jerry's saying that um, that it's actually more skill intensive now that those two cards are out of the format. Um, now I know that they didn't do the bannings because of uh, you know price or access to the cards, um, but I feel like. You know, there might be some frustration from you know worse players building the same decks and still and still losing. Um, but I feel like the deck may be a little more accessible now to people, you know, like newer players or people who don't you know don't have you know access to every single expensive card. Um, I feel like the cards are fairly accessible in the deck, and I think that like it might not be such a I don't mean it might not be perceived as such a problem. Because more people can build the deck and play it? I don't I see, know. I see what you mean. Like, the people that were, were complaining from a financial perspective... Uh, are appeased. Are, yeah, I, I, I can see how that makes sense. But they're still going to lose to Jerry. <laughs> as, as he proved all weekend, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You, you only lost one match, I think, right? Is that, is that <laughs> right? I lost round one to the hero version of the deck, but then, like, crushed it five other times. That's so. right. It was round one. That's nuts. Yeah, it's about the worst round you could possibly be losing. So what happened in that? Like, was it just thanks for a long day? Yeah. Um, <laughs> game one, I beat him, and then game two, I like put him on mana leak. So and I had eight lands and a sphinx in my hand. So I'm trying to get to nine to put the sphinx. And in the meantime, I drew a dead fetch land and a Gideon. So then I like ran Gideon out there, and then he leaked it and pierced it, and then. Uh, on his turn, he played some stuff, and then, like, even my Sphinx on my turn was, like, not good enough. So I don't know if I should just, like, jam Sphinx and then hope that I peel some other, like, big card or just hope that I draw and you know? And then, uh, so that was, like, kind of unfortunate. And then game three, he just, like, ran me over, told me how he's in Day of Judgment against my deck with no creatures, and, you know. <laughs> like, my, my deck was pretty threat-like. That's why I thought the Sphinx was, like, fairly important, and I have a lot of them that come to play on tap and stuff, so... Right on. Okay, that makes sense. But I just had all four of my basic islands in play already, and I drew a Scalding Tarn. Right. And I couldn't get anything else, so. Um, what do you feel like, I mean, that's the only match you lost, but what do you actually feel like are the worst matchups for the deck? Um, I would imagine that people are probably going to change some things around, like maybe not play with timely reinforcements, main deck, and stuff like that. And if that's the case, then the red decks and vampire decks and, like, goblin decks get a little bit worse. Uh, Valakut is the, the scary one, I think. Hmm, that's interesting. And then, uh, Twin is kind of scary, but, like, for the most part, people that play that deck aren't that good, because if they're good, they kind of gravitate towards blue it And then post-board, like, there are ton of things that I get decided, and then, like, misstep is super huge for countering their dispels and stuff. But, uh, like, the, the hero decks are, are really good matchups. Like, Birthing Pod, depending on what we have, could be, like, either really good or really bad. You know, if they if they start going nuts with that, then there's not much you can do. But, obviously, like, your deck is just built to stopping them from doing that. So, But if uh, if Goblins plays, like, Hero of Oxid Ridge and, you know, sides in Mana Barbs and stuff, then that seems pretty tough as well. Like, maybe even Timely Reinforcements isn't good enough. So Yeah, um, Timely Reinforcements, like, that... I really, really like that card a lot, and you're saying that maybe people aren't going to be playing as many. Uh, is there a reason you you suggest that? Did you did it not perform as well as you wanted it to? Like, oh no, 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 no. The, the card was absolutely absurd. For me. I played against like Tempered Steel, which is also a good matchup, and then uh, Vampires, the Goblin deck in the finals. Like, and I won all of those matches basically because I had reinforcements in my deck. Like, the card is awesome, but it's not something that a lot of people want to play in their main deck. I see. That's it's like playing. It's kind of like playing Core Firewalker main. You know, it's just like when it's good, it's super good. But sometimes it's kind of a dead card. If you play against the Blade Splicer version, you know they play like Splicer or Hero and get ahead on creatures. So then your reinforcements is on. It's still not even that impressive. It doesn't stop like their Splicer or their Hero. So you still need something in addition. Right. I feel like it's it's a fantastic card. Like it's almost like a the kind of the exact kind of card you want when you're behind. I mean, if you're ahead. Sure, it might be a blank, but I mean you're ahead, so right. it's like 
looking at it right out of M12, like when we were looking at the spoilers, I just thought this seems so good. I mean, I wasn't sure if it was a main deckable kind of card, but uh, but I mean, with all the aggro running around, people really want to play mono red right now, and uh, you know, vampires obviously people love that deck, tempered steel. Um, but uh, how surprised were you to see goblins do well? Yeah, you played um, against goblins in the finals, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I wasn't very surprised. I mean, I played against goblins in the finals of Dallas as well. You know, like that deck pops up every once in a while. And I lost to goblins in Cincinnati. Like oh, wow. goblin, goblin Grenade is huge. That card is sick. And there's like Grim Lava Mancer. Uh, I don't know. It just seems much better than playing Goblin Guide and a bunch of burn spells in a field of gain six lives. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> you got to have that constant pressure hitting them. So if people want to play an aggro deck like Goblins and Vampires, I mean, it seems like Goblins might actually just be better right now. Wow. How do you feel like Goblins compares to, like, just the straight-up mono red? Do you think that's, that's actually, like, a better version just because of Goblin Grenade? Well, that and the fact that if they're playing timely reinforcements, you you need constant pressure, you know? Like, you mm-hmm. can't... You can't have just a bunch of burst lightnings and hope to beat them that way. Like you need to have like three chieftains in play, like hitting them every turn or something. Okay. Now one one of the plays you made, I believe it may have been in the final game, but I know it was in the finals. Was, it was game uh, three. Okay, you know what I'm. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure I know. Was was uh you you kind of well he he seemed like he was just having trouble keeping things on the board in general and you were kind of beating him down to uh i think he he was down to about four life and you had oblivion ringed his mana barbs and uh and then you just played another oblivion ring on your own oblivion ring to to unlock the uh to put him right under his own mana barbs yep which exactly was, which was just awesome I mean, and i was a te- i was a ten life so I was pretty sure he was drawing dead like there's almost no combination of cards you have. Yeah, it's uh, it's just one of those plays that I don't know that I would have even thought of it. Especially like at that point, you're at, you're at ten life. He's at four. You probably have him dead next turn anyway. Uh, yeah. So like, I think I'm sitting there like holding my oblivion ring just in case there's something I need to deal with. But like locking him under his own mana barbs was awesome. No, like if you guys ever play against goblins and you get like double grenaded out, like I did in Cincinnati, like you learn to play around that stuff. Yeah, because he had like three or four cards, and if he had like two goblins, two grenades, then I was dead. Right. So, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, that's like how scary is mana barbs right now? Like for for your deck, or even for kind of any control deck? Is it? I mean, oh, it's it's is it kind of like public enemy number one as far as uh, playing against a red deck post board? I mean, it's okay, but if if. They're just a burn deck, and they have Goblin Guide, and you play Reinforcements, and then they play Mana Barbs. Like, their Mana Barbs doesn't even do that much, because you can, like, block down their Goblin Guide, then you're at parity, and they have to start playing spells and stuff. If you ever assemble some sort of board presence, Mana Barbs is just terrible for them. So that's another reason why Goblins is better, because they're playing creatures every turn instead of burn spells, so they get these constant sources of damage. Right. And if, if they're ahead on board, then Mana Barbs is awesome, but if it's you know, the stalemate or they're behind on board, then it's just terrible for them. Um, one of the other decks you mentioned was uh, was the Birthing Pod decks and that seemed to be really popular because it, I, I guess it's really just a popular card that a lot of people seem to want to, to play with and try to break it. Um, what uh, I guess what versions of that deck do you feel like have, uh, have like, I guess, any potential for being being any good? Uh, Olivier's version from French Nationals definitely mm-hmm. looked awesome. Had like a lot of uh, clones with Stonehorn Dignitary, and you like clone their primeval titan and then turn that into a sun titan. And you know, like you have tech edges now that you got with their primeval titans, so you can kill their Valakuts and stuff. And there's you just have a ton of options against every deck. And I think you basically have a sweet plan against everyone. Yeah, but it's just like I. I've not played a birthing pod deck ever, you know, like I would have to do a lot of blessing probably to get used to playing a deck like that. So, I mean, it's, it's on my to-do list. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, it's an, it's an interesting card. It's not really my style, but that, that deck, uh, is the deck that I was testing a lot against using the, uh, the Edgar Spagnolo list from last week. And, uh, that's a, he was just killing me with, with yeah. that. I mean, being able to like, you know, the, the venture Stonehorn dignitary lock. I mean, I'm sitting there with a, with a sword, uh, sword of feast and famine on a squadron hawk 
couldn't do anything and um you know i'm waiting to just try to draw into like a dismember so that eventually i can get get there but it wasn't like i had no time because he ultimates venser and i'm just you know yeah dead so uh and yeah the uh play a sun titan for phantasmal image copying sun titan like (laughs) it's ridiculous so that deck it seems like it has so many different options and it would be kind of fun to play although it's still i don't know if it's my kind of deck uh but yeah that seems like the strongest to me that i've seen yeah uh, I mean, there's, like, some bug versions, the green-black version, like, the rug versions with and without the combo. Like, there's plenty of different ways to build it, and there's not a consensus best version, I don't think. Like, yeah, Olivier, like, won his Nats or whatever, but he's – he didn't win. He top-aided. He, he top-aided, he's, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's top-aided with, you know, some pretty terrible decks already, so I don't know. Like, <laughs> he's, he's a pretty good player. Yeah, he's okay. He's yeah. definitely okay. Um. As far as, like, uh, one of the things, one of the discussions I've seen brought up is, well, if Callblade is still decent, is Twinblade uh, at all a possibility? Um, what, what do you think about that at all? Well, it doesn't really make any sense. Before, when you have Stoneforge Mystic as a super cheap threat, then it's kind of cool. Then you're diversifying and everything. Mm-hmm. But if you're just hard casting Hawks and Swords, I don't really see what the combo brings to the table. You know, I think you'd rather just have these control elements. Right. It seems to me like Jace is a huge part of that, too, like being able to yeah, draw into the combo. The, yeah, or shuffle away excess pieces, you know? Right. Um, one deck that I'm surprised just to repeatedly not be seeing, but uh, that I expected to see more of, was blue-black control. Like, why do you <laughs> think uh, why do you think blue-black is just not showing up at all? Yeah, that was kind of crazy, because I showed up in Cincy with... Uh, you know, the crazy sideboard package in my Splinter Twin deck, like, just for blue-black control. And that was one of the matchups that I was kind of, like, racking my brain over because it was, like, so bad for Splinter Twin. And then there was none of them at the tournament. I'm just like, okay, you know, freak occurrence. And then just from then on out, I just haven't seen anyone playing that deck. Yeah, it's it seems like it should be reasonable. Like, I don't, I mean, it's not, it's certainly not terrible, yeah, it showed up at, like, Japanese Nats and some other tournaments before that and stuff. It's, it seemed fine. Like, I don't think it's a great deck by any means, but it's it's still something that people should consider playing, you know? Yeah, it's. I mean, uh, I know a lot of the lists that I've seen are running uh, Solemn Simulacrum, and, uh, I mean, that card seems like it it would be... I mean, people are really excited to play with it. I know I, I was excited to see it again, and I've been playing it in like a blue black list that i have um, yeah it it seems like it would be like i guess what did you what do you think of that card did you play with that like i don't know how long have you been playing like you've been playing for I've, a while, i've right? been playing since invasions okay so, yeah it was definitely around when that card was around and i definitely like ramping and getting value and stuff but i don't know it seems like uh for one thing the people that are playing that in Valakit kind of tilt me a little bit because they should just be playing oracle instead i think yeah but but playing Solemn in blue-black seems fine, you know, as long as you're committed to being more of a tap-out deck rather than a reactive control deck. Right on. Uh, I know one of the things I saw you post on Twitter, I think, earlier today was something about blue-white being being the best deck. And I, I don't know if when you said blue-white you were just talking Callblade or if you were just thinking blue-white is the best, like, combination of... Uh, of colors, I guess, right now, uh, kind of like Joe was saying about it being just such a strong combination. Do you, do you feel like there's a uh, a really good? I mean, do you think there's a good enough like slower control version that's not so much on the call blade like aggro control side of things? Yeah, I think there's enough good cards that you can basically play whatever reasonable blue white deck you want and you'll succeed. Uh, there's a guy uh, Chihoy that plays on Moto Foros like all the dailies and a guy copied his, his list and got third at Australian Nets. And okay. It's just like four squadron hawks, one six drop like Gideon's Elspeth's Wrath, Spreading Seas, just like very much uh, Kago like that oh, okay. style. That person's name is Maitland Cameron. I'm actually looking at the article he wrote right now on Star City. Yep. Joe, you were talking about building uh, building a deck uh, earlier, and I think you mentioned it maybe last week too, or not yeah, last well, week, but last episode. I, have, I haven't really messed with my cards much in the last week, but uh, I've basically acquired all of the cards to build the blue-white pure steel deck uh, that Nate P's posted about, uh, posted about uh, this week. Um, 
I, I mean, I'd been messing around with mono white pure steel, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I like I like I just want to try the blue white version. You know, I haven't tried it yet. My article this week mentioned pure steel, where uh, my buddy was going to play that deck with Lava Mentor. Oh yeah, yeah. Give you more like mortar pod, baseless collar type things going on. But that's pretty cool. So, what other uh, what other matchups in standard did you face like uh, this past weekend, or what what kind of decks did you did you see? Uh, I did not play against Valakut or Twin, which was good. I played against a lot of Hero Blade decks, uh, Tempered Steel Vampires. Um, played against Alex playing for top eight with Edgar's deck, which. Oh man, that match! Did you guys see that match? It was on camera. I I don't think I saw that one. I I was kind of on and off all day. Yeah, I, I worked all day Saturday and was filming all day Sunday. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you guys would have remembered because one. All right, so I won the die roll. I keep he keeps. I play a call name pass. He plays a nexus. I'm like, okay, you know, maybe he's he's gonna start getting a little aggressive. So I play uh, a land and a squadron hawk and pass. He plays a tectonic edge and passes. <laughs> Now I'm a little confused. So I play like a land and another squadron hawk and pass. And he plays an ink moth nexus. And I just like eyeball him. Just like Alex. And he's like, thought it was a colonnade. <laughs> oh, God. That's terrible. But hilarious. Continued, yeah. Continued my streak of never, ever, ever losing to Alex. Except for, you know, one time. Uh, like six years ago, when he was playing Ferris, but <laughs> and he, he had a he had a rough day that day too, didn't he? Like he lost to you playing for top eight and finished seventeenth, right? Yep, yeah, he did. brutal. Yeah, other than that, I guess I remember playing against a green white birthing pod deck as well, but I don't know, you know, random mishmash. Thankfully, no combo decks. So it, you feel like the combo decks? It, like it seems to me like uh, Phallic, it wouldn't be too terrible of a matchup. I mean, I guess what I'm looking back at is like things like looking at Paris where people were basically building call blade because like almost because it had a great uh, game against Valakut. Yeah, but you had Mystic and Jace then and (laughs) the blue eyed decks before needed to like spreading seas and tech edge all the Valakuts and like use Day of Judgment, like Journey to Nowhere to kill Primeval Titans and stuff, because you can't really plan on them never resolving a threat. Right, I mean, but you do have it's some too tough to do that now. Yeah, I, I have some, and like, you know, Flash Freezes in the board, and stuff, but like, my clock's not quick enough. Eventually, they're going to draw into threats. And with everyone playing Zenith instead of Trap, it's actually worse now, because they have more real threats, and you never win the games where they miss on Trap, so. Right on, okay. That makes sense. Um, so. Uh, are there any M12 cards that uh, that you're kind of keeping an eye on for any opportunities to play, or that you think might might uh, you know be pot- like have potential but aren't seeing play right now? I like Rights of Flourishing a lot as a card. Okay, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's just a sweet card. You know, I like playing extra lands and stuff. Uh, if there was Howling Mine instead of Temple Bell, like maybe there'd be some sort of Turbo Fog deck out there, or whatever. And I've already seen some lists like that, but I don't uh, know. Like my- I'm sorry to cut you off. My roommate's been running it in Valakit, actually. Yeah, uh, I thought I about think, that too, as like a sideboard against Blue Dex or something. But well, I think he's been. Run, I, I think he doesn't just. He just doesn't have the simulacrums, um, or I don't. And he might not have the oracles, or maybe he does. But uh, but he was just like I, he just really likes rights of flourishing, and uh, it seems to be doing all right for him. I mean, it, you can't kill it like you can kill either one of those, you know. But I guess yeah. you don't get the card if you. <laughs> if you don't kill, if you don't have your solemn simulacrum killed, you don't get the draw. But right. anyway, I don't know. The the problem is like if it helps your opponent more than you, and they always get the first shot. So yeah, I mean, he's got the howling mind problem where right. you know you you give them the uh, the opportunity to draw off it first and then answer it, and then you didn't really get anything out of it. So, um, are you going to nationals at all? Or are you qualified? I'm I'm qualified. I made plans, unfortunately, but uh, after nationals, I'm going to Chicago for the TCG player like 75k thing, mm-hmm. and then I have to skip Star City Richmond for that. Sadly, well, the uh, the purse is a little bit bigger, I think. Yeah, so. yeah. Hopefully, they don't cut the prize payout again. You know. Yeah, there was a pretty big 
kind of uh, situation there, wasn't it? With the uh, Wizard World, it was supposed to be at the Wizard World event, and then just mm-hmm. they kind of got dumped without any sort of contact. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what really went on there, but it, you know, it's probably TCG players' fault <laughs> if, I, if I had to guess. But yeah, it's kind of weird because now it's like events Friday at Pastimes, events Saturday at the Hyatt, and events Sunday at some other hotel, and it's like this sounds so sketchy. Yeah, yeah, it really does. And I feel like I'm gonna, you know, win the tournament or something. They're gonna be like, yeah, yeah, I'm not paying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like thanks for showing up. I don't uh, know. Star Star City is is just on the money every time. You know, I know their events are gonna be super awesome. I know I'm gonna get paid. You know, there there are absolutely no hassles, no worries, and it sucks that like I'm in uh, Greenville, North Carolina now, so Richmond is only like a three hour drive. And I'm, I have to miss that one, but yeah, that, yeah, that's a pretty, uh, that's pretty much a hometown one for you, then I guess almost. Yeah, anyway. close enough. Um, so you was that I, I never actually figured out. Are you going to Nats? You said you made plans. You mean you have other plans, or you made plans oh, to yeah, go to Nats? Yeah. So you have yeah. other plans. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I thought I had seen you post somewhere that you weren't going to Nats, but I, I wasn't sure. Like, so what's uh. Like I guess if you were going to Nats, this is I guess a kind of question about the the difference from like metagaming and building a deck for a Star City, a weekly Star City tournament, uh, roughly weekly, as opposed to something like Nationals. Like how uh, you know would you change your approach or how, how would that change? No, I think it's about the same because you have the kind of like more casual crowd of players that either you know, queued through regionals or some sort of like, you know, city champs, whatever they have set up for that now. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you have like the, the ringer or masters, you know, like the Luises slash Edgar's, whatever. And you have to, you have to build to beat both of those types of players. And the skill disparity isn't that big between either group. So, I mean, I think it's the same deck. Like you just build a good standard deck and try and try and win that. And hopefully, you know, you don't suck too bad at drafting. So, you you mentioned LSV and Edgar, and I saw your uh, little bit of conversation on Twitter earlier too. Uh, like, the, you said you were talking to Drew, and you were saying that you would rather play versus LSV uh, at nationals uh, over Edgar. Would you want to uh, explain that a little bit? Because I thought that was an interesting, an interesting kind of uh, comment. Well, Drew was like, "Man, it's nationals. I'm just gonna play." T- deal i'm just like come on man you're better than this you know like why why do you just want to play the the aggro deck that doesn't give you any decisions he's like well you know i feel like if i play against luis in the blue white mirror i'm just gonna get crushed and i'm like well how do you feel when you get paired against edgar every round and he's like oh it's great you know like i want to play against edgar i want to crush him blah 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 and i'm like well you know luis is not that much better than edgar you know like he's he definitely is better obviously but it's not that big of a deal and Edgar plays a lot more standard than Luis does. So I feel like Edgar is going to play crisp, clean magic. He's going to have a plan for, like, every matchup. He's going to know how to sideboard and everything. And Luis is going to start playing standard, like, a week and a half before the tournament. And they're going to talk about it a little bit and, you know, build some deck, maybe come up with some brew or something. But they're not going to play test that much, and they're not going to have that much of an idea of what's going on. So I think Edgar is a much bigger threat at this point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I can see that logic. That makes sense. Just because LSV is good enough that he can pick up a deck kind of at the last minute. But, uh, you know, he, where Edgar kind of makes up ground in his, uh, you know, being constantly playing with the deck and just having all that, that kind of experience. So that's kind of kind of an interesting thought. Like, I think when I first saw the comment, I was just kind of like, really, what? But it, it definitely yeah, makes sense. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> Just top in another pro store and all stuff and I don't know. Yeah, but the, the logic is definitely uh, it seems sound. Like I, I see what you're saying. Like now that you explain it. So Joe, you uh, you wanted to talk to Jerry about legacy. So I'll let you uh, you start. Yeah, that. for sure. Um, so you played Team America in Legacy. And- I did. And that hasn't been the most popular deck choice lately. Probably um, for good reason. Yeah. So, but you won the whole tournament with it. So, um, what? I mean, first of all, what led you to uh, play that deck? Well, after Seattle, 
there were three hive minds in top eight, won the tournament, and there's another one in top sixteen. And basically, all the people were like, "All right, I need hive mind cards, or I need to know how to beat hive mind, whatever." And I figured that you know some of the random people would like catch on to that too and be like, "Well, you know, that crushed the tournament. Like, let's play hive mind and see what happens." So I'm like, "Well, my deck probably has to beat hive mind." And then Dredge has been doing decently enough, you know, like the mana with Dredge deck is pretty sweet. So I'm like, you know, having Lee Lines or something would be pretty good too. And in order to beat Hive Mind, I wanted to play like Stifled Days, Spell Stutter Sprite, some combination of those where resolve Hive Mind, then I can still, you know, count packs. Right. So that's that's what kind of led me down that area. I was considering playing like a rug deck with Goyf and Billion and a bunch of counter spells and Ancestral, but instead I, I stuck with like hymns and Tomb Stalkers and Deeds and stuff. But I don't I don't feel like the deck is very good. I play against Dredge or Hive Mind a single time and I, I still won, but like every card in the deck has somewhat diminishing returns, you know, like you peel a daze on turn six or like a stifle or a hymn or whatever. Like almost all of your cards are terrible top decks. Right. Yeah, I, mean, I was playing the deck for a while, and I decided that I wanted to play more of a, more of like an Esper Stoneblade kind of list or something along those lines. Um, what led you to not play something, you know, blue white? Frankly, like, like I mean, you know, you had enough success with it Saturday. Um, I played blue whites in Orlando and another tournament after that. I'm trying to think of which one, but it doesn't really matter. And then there were a couple tournaments where I just slept in on Sunday where I was going to play blue-red control because I thought it was just better than blue-white because you have, you're like splashing Ancient Grudge to kill Batter Skull, you have Repeal to kill Batter Skull, and you have like Red Blast for Merfolk and Hive Mind, which was starting to become popular, and it just seemed like a much better deck to me. But I slept in and then like, you know, never got the chance to play with that deck, and then it just seemed like Hive Mind was the big enemy, blue-white kind of, you know, loses to Hive Mind a good percentage of the time unless you completely overhaul the deck. So I kind of wanted to play this glass cannon strategy with a lot of situationally good cards, stifling days, and see where that got me. And, you know, just hope I had good matchups and whatnot. But I don't know. I lost to Cephalid Breakfast Round 2, which is probably like an 80-20 matchup or something because I have a ton of removal, M's, counter spells, missteps, sideboard ley lines. You know, I just have everything for them. But I lost to that guy, and then I beat Merfolk twice, which is, like, I'm supposed to win one in three, maybe. Right. So it was, like, it was opposite day. You know, I I wasn't running incredibly well, but I wasn't running bad, you know? It wasn't like I peeled exactly what I needed every time I needed to, but I wasn't, like, you know, getting cold decked or anything, so... Now, I mean, you, uh, your your creature breakdown is pretty interesting. You've got the four Tarmogoyfs, obviously. You have the you have two Tombstalkers, two Vendillion Clicks. It looks like you just one with a two-two split on those. Um, and you're not running any uh, Dark Confidants, right? Um, I mean, obviously, uh, Tombstalker plus Dark Confidant is bad, but um, oh, I don't of, care. About, I don't care about that in the least. Yeah, I, I bring. <laughs> And ponder, you know, might want to ponder or whatever. But I, I might have played more if I had Bob's. But like I said, with all the cards having diminishing returns, drawing more cards a turn doesn't really help that much because you get like a land and a useless daze, and the next turn maybe you get a goif and then like another land, and then of these four turn or these two two turns four cards, you've gotten one relevant card. So, like, Bob is just not even doing that much, and he skips your turn, and his body is almost irrelevant. If they have any sort of board, like, he can't attack or block. So, it just didn't seem very good to me. I'd rather just uh, use my situational cards to keep them off balance for a little bit, and then play a fatty like Tombstalker or Goyf. Sure. You know, Vendillion is good against Hive Mind, and it's a reasonable body. It's a blue card to pitch for four, so it's fine. And I didn't want to play too many Tombstalkers, so I only had two of those. Um... Now, one thing I want to ask you about, because I've kind of, it's become a pet card of mine. I haven't really been messing with Legacy lately. I've been focusing more on Standard, um, because I'm trying to build a mana base, and that can take a couple months sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, so I haven't really been messing with it, but the card that I'm, like, most, like, interested in using uh, when I do start building uh, Bruin for Legacy again is Limdul's Vault. And I had been messing around with it, I 
think I tried it a little bit in uh, Team America, but I kind of took the deck apart um, before I got a chance to really, you know, test with it. But it seems like it would solve a lot of the problems of, you know, not having to worry about, you know, drawing that dead card or being able to just dig to your your creature that you need or maybe a Jace to lock someone out. You know, just like it's worth like if it's worth occasionally losing eight life to uh, flipping a Tombstalker off of Bob, it seems like it'd be worth losing five life to just dig for the Tombstalker when you need it. Yeah, um, I, but that's that's more of a question of like, uh, what does your deck need? Like, do you need a Vampiric Tutor in your deck? You know, does that I, like, ever, if, I mean, do you never not need a Vampiric Tutor? I mean, I don't know. Vampiric Tutor is pretty good. Well, it's it's definitely good, but it's it's one mana and it's definitely two life as opposed to two mana, and then you have to do all this work and stuff. Right, but you can't mental misstep it. Mm, that's true, but you have plenty of misstep targets already in your deck. Right, but I mean, it's just—it's a card that I've been interested in using, um, and I'm even, you know, thinking about it uh, when I decide to build Esper Stoneblade or something like it. Just that Esper colored legacy control deck is kind of what I want to build. I, um, I think Limdol's Vault is definitely a fine card. I mean, but unless you're doing something really, really powerful with it, there's there's not much difference between playing it and like a ponder or something like you're not going to get exactly what you need, but you're going to get to look at a few cards and then you're not down a card already. And that's the problem with all the, the bad cards, you know, like the stifles and the dazes is that you're, you're just like down a card when you're an attrition based deck. Right. So I think uh, if I, if I were building a, like a mid rangey deck with Limdahl's vault, I'd probably be trying to set up something different, like some sort of uh inevitability engine that you could get with it like the rock decks used to use with their vampire tutors right and if you were playing i mean if you were playing like esper and you had a moat in there or something you could you know you could search up a moat you know i don't know it's just it's a card that i'm surprised doesn't see more play uh, and i just was curious like how you felt about the card in general well one of yeah, the like things that, okay i'm good sorry go, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, go ahead I, joey uh, I guess one of the things I was going to say about just Team America in general, like looking at, at the deck, uh, and th- this isn't far from the pretty much accepted versions of, of a bug control deck, is sure. is it's basically blue-black control with green for Tarmogoyf and occasionally Pernicious Deed, which of course in your case, uh, yeah, you have Pernicious Deed, and then you have like Life from the Loam. Um, but other than that, like there there's no green in the deck. There's no reason to have green and uh i know one of the things that people have been saying well at least around gp providence a lot of the uh, the talk was that stoneforge mystic is basically the new tarmogoyf and so i know that was kind of the discussion that that joe and i were having i, I, yeah. don't, know, I don't know that we had it on on uh the podcast at all but talking about like well if stoneforge is kind of like the new tarmogoyf do you just play you know basically team america with Esper or with with white instead of green, so that uh, you know you have the Stoneforge package. Yeah, yeah, me and Joey are basically on the same page about that. I mean, like I think the deck that I'm eventually working on is something that's almost like Team America, but just with white for Stoneforge and you know other key white cards as opposed to having the green. Just because yeah. I, I think we're of the, I think we are in agreement that white is that we think white's better than green right now in Legacy. Um, so we're just, I don't know, and we feel like it's a stronger support color for something like that for that kind of deck. I don't. Yeah, know. I don't. I don't blame you guys. I'm I'm kind of on board with you actually. But the fact that everyone is playing like Ancient Grudge and things that deal with Mystic makes it worse in my eyes. Like in a vacuum, it, having Mystic in a Batter Skull might be more powerful than playing a Tarmogoyf. But in reality now it doesn't seem like that's always the case because people are ready for it and people are starting to play like stifles for hive mind and stuff too so like they just stifle your mystic or you know bolt it or whatever and then you play a goif which is like not as flashy and not as good against like zoo or merfolk but you don't have to do all that work for it either yeah it kind of it's it's also like you know i guess it's not a it's not nothing the fact that you pretty much need to 
it, it takes up more slots in your deck. You, you're playing four stone forges in place of Tarmogoyf, but then you need to have a slot for Batter Skull, or maybe even two Batter Skulls in some cases. Uh, you know, I've seen, or or another piece of equipment or something. And uh, it seems like over the past few months, Vendillion Click has being see, been seeing even more play than uh, than it had been. Not to say it wasn't seeing play already, but uh, I feel like it's, it's its stock definitely went up. Yeah, I mean, and that's huge. Like I I love playing Vendillion Click after my opponent plays a Stoneforge Mystic because yep, uh, you know it's like nice nice Squire. So uh, you know that's I think one of the things I, I've noticed. It seems like there's less and less Stoneforge Batter Skull in Legacy uh, over the past few weeks, um, whereas it was it seems to have been like kind of dominating before before like denver uh you know it, it, roughly around providence where it did pretty well there too so um. yeah blue, blue white's just taking a giant dive and i think a lot of that is because people are overly reliant on their mix and because of that they're kind of walking into like all their board hate where they're like well this hand's kind of loose but it has a mystic so i'll keep it and then like their banner skull gets ancient grudged or something and then at that point they spent two turns just doing absolutely nothing so, yeah. yeah. Uh, one. Uh, I actually have two decks that I wanted to ask you uh, your opinion on. Um, one, since you, you were just mentioning about blue white, uh, is, is like these these mono blue decks that seem to pop up like here and there, where like Chris Cronenberger. Like ener- yeah, the energy field. Yeah. happens blue. Right, and then what? Ruben Bressler uh, top aided with it in Cincinnati, yep. and uh, so what do you think of those decks? It's interesting, like. Looking at the list initially, I'm just like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, why are you not playing card drawing? Like, why don't you have Ancestral? Like, what are these energy fields doing here? But their plan actually makes a lot of sense where they have, like, Field and a Shackles against Merfolk. And then uh, they'll have, like, a bunch of dudes in play. And they'll just take a random Merfolk and kill them with their own Lord of Atlantis, basically, because they now have Island Walk. And they were saying that, like, if anyone knew how to play against their deck, they would just side out lords because that's, like, the only way for them to win. Oh, wow, yeah. So their their deck and their plan against Merfolk, which should be their bad matchup, is pretty genius. But also, like, once people understand what you're up to, it becomes a lot less good, you know? And eventually you're just going to, like, drop to eight cards and your energy field's going to die. And then you're just going to die to whatever they have in play unless you have your one Oblivion Stone or whatever. So it seems pretty loose to me. I would rather just try and counter or kill all their threats. That just seems like a much cleaner way to victory to me than to rely on this enchantment. Like, Red Blast is very, very popular now. Like, even the Zoo decks are playing it. So, I don't know. Just doesn't seem that good to me, but... Do you feel like it's a better plan to maybe, if you want to play that style of deck, uh, that kind of just like heavily blue-based, counterspell-based deck, uh, do you think something more like uh, like your Orlando deck is is a better choice um, than even the, these Stoneforge Mystic, you know, the blue-white Stoneblade le- lists that kind of people seem to be more prepared for? Yeah, I think the Mystic are basically not good anymore. Everyone has grudges or, you know, any other sort of removal, like Tower of the Magistrate. Yeah. Like, cards like that are popping up. Like, come on, you know, people are ready for Mystic now. So if you show them Tundra and, like, a Plow and a Jace, they're going to side in, like, all their Mystic hate. They just assume that you have it. Like, Mystic is just not good anymore. So I would go back to something like my Orlando deck, but I think Blue-Red is better because Bolt kills Jace... You can play Dismember to kill, you know, bigger creatures like Knight and Tarmogoyf. You have Fire Spout and Red Blasts, and those help against Merfolk. Like, Fire Spout's fine against Zoo as well. It just seems like a much better deck to me right now. Yeah, like, the the list that I've been playing with, and I've kind of basically just evolved it from your Orlando deck, which is the first weekend I even saw, like, that kind of deck, and it's, like perfect kind of deck that I like to play with just kind of slow creatureless or, or very few creatures. And, uh, you know, at the time there affinity, were no... affinity for blue, really? Yeah, exactly. I, ha- <laughs> I have an affinity for islands. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was actually supposed to be my Twitter name, but it doesn't fit affinity for islands. Oh, so I had to God. go with blue. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, close enough. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, but yeah, so, so like I've been kind of evolving it and, uh, like the, it's basically blue white, but it has the one, uh, volcanic island so that I can play red blast and, uh, and pyroblast. So like 
just having those, just having access to those seemed like pretty reasonable to me. But I, I, I like the, the logic about being able to kill Jace, just another card that kills Jace in lightning bolt and things. But, um, yeah, it, it's, I really like Vendillion click a lot. Like that's just my favorite card in the deck. I feel like, uh, yeah, before. yeah. It's, it's gotten to the point where I think it's good against almost everyone. Yeah. I mean, it seems really strong. Uh, on the other side of things, on a completely different kind of deck that's been popping up also a lot recently is uh, Reanimator, and we saw uh, Eli Cassis, uh, what, he came in third or, or fourth or something, uh, I think, this past weekend. Yeah, um, with, I, I played against him in top four. Right. So what do you think of that deck uh, just kind of showing up? I, oh, I love Reanimator. I've tried to make Reanimator happen so many times. Like, I I got sent in one of the open that before they banned Mystical, and then I played it after they banned Mystical a couple times and stuff, so I'm definitely happy to see Ely doing well, both because I think he's an awesome dude, and because I like Reanimator a lot, and I don't know if you've seen his deck, but it's like, he has, you know, Chinese Force of Wells, like that, <laughs> and, and Beta Underground Seas, and everything's foil, and his deck's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, they were, uh, on SCG Live, they were having trouble figuring out. They were like, he doesn't have blue mana in play. Like, no, that, that's a black-bordered underground sea. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah so you're so used to seeing the uh, the white-bordered duels that it, when you see a black-bordered duel, it's actually tough to kind of tell yeah, what like, it is. Like, what is that? Oh, that's a $1,000 bill. Wow. Yeah. All right, then. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think his deck is sweet. He definitely plays really, really well, and it – Kind of requires some outside the box thinking to resurrect a deck like that. You know, uh, people, nice pun there. Resurrecting uh, reanimator. Yeah, that that was not intentional. <laughs> I'm not pleased, but sorry. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, sorry, to, to make that to make that deck good again when everyone has played against it a bunch and they're already sick of it and stuff. You know, like he he draws first against the blue decks. To make sure that he can discard a fatty, he to resolve like careful study. He plays four, well, like three of, or four of his big fatty, which is like Jin Kataxias, which is good against basically everyone. So like, there's some consistency there, and he he only plays 17 lands, which like you know kind of makes me cry or whatever because I would definitely want to play 18 or 19. But you know, so he's always going to have a ton of spells. He has a good sideboard plan against like the Mystic decks and the Merfolk decks, and that's basically like all you need to do in this format to succeed like you just draw first discard this reanimate this you know yeah sometimes it's just oops i win like if they yeah. can't can't stop the uh the turn to jin Gitaxius. so his his matchup against me i think is just really really bad okay and game one he got i might be mixing these games up but he got jin in the yard I hemmed him, got two reanimation spells, and then for the rest of the game, I just, like, countered all of his reanimates, and then eventually found a Tomb Stalker and killed him with it. Okay. And then, uh, I think game, that might have just been game two, because I remember, like, the exact same thing happening, and I dazed as him. Okay. But I, I don't know. Eventually, you know, like, I, I have Jace, and then I brainstormed into a ley line and cast the ley line. And he only had two Echoing Truths and three Show and Tells to get rid of that. And he had to burn a Show and Tell and an Echoing Truth already. So he's, like, drawing pretty slim. So if I stockpile counters or, like, get him and get some more of his answers to that stuff, like, you know, he's, he's drawing pretty, pretty light. And then... It got to the point where uh, he got to Thought Seize Me and then reanimate or show intelligent into play. So he got to draw seven cards, but I had Jason play still, so I got to bounce it. And then even from there, after he drew seven cards, I was able to stop him from putting anything else into play. I see. Cool. Joe, did you have any uh, any more comments or questions about uh, about any legacy stuff? Um, no, not really. Not off the top of my head. Okay. Uh, we're getting we're getting about that time anyway, so right on, uh, Jerry. Is there anything uh, any projects you're working on or any uh, any things you wanted to plug or mention? Um, I know I said a while back that I was coming out with a book. Yeah, I was I was wondering about that too. But yeah, I that's, you bring it up. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a little on hiatus. I'm trying to motivate myself to to finish that and stuff. I see, you know, Brad Nelson coming out with his book and stuff, and now I'm a little jealous because yeah. well, he had help, so. Oh, he definitely did. Yeah, I mean, if someone could just interview me and write my book for me, that'd be great. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I want to get that done. Um, 
I don't know. Like, I have a bunch of things that I want to do, but have no motivation to do, or you know, make up excuses to not do and stuff. So I'm trying to <laughs> to not do that. But I don't know. It's much fun to just sit around with a book and like brew all day. You know. Yeah, I mean, and you you pretty much I've heard that you you just carry a notebook around and just have uh, and scribble ideas into it. Isn't that uh, that's yeah, pretty much how, how you do it? Every, everywhere I go. I like the idea of that, but I find myself not ever coming up with anything, so the notebook's blank. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's tough. I don't, I don't know what to do about that. I have a notebook like that, but it just—it's just—it's blank except for on the first page. It just has times four shape a new written at the top. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'll just uh, announce we have uh, some upcoming events for those of you who are. Uh, Looking forward to the next couple weekends. We have obviously this weekend, and actually happening right now as uh, as this is released, uh, Gen Con August fourth through the seventh, um, which features, of course, U.S. nationals, and I'm sure the coverage is all over Daily MTG. So uh, if you're curious about that, uh, you can go to Daily MTG and read all the coverage there. Um, next weekend, uh, as Jerry mentioned, is the TCG Player 75K and the Star City Games uh, Open Series in Richmond. So uh, two pretty big events to uh, to check out. And then um, the weekend after that, we have uh, the Star City Games Open Series in Boston. Uh, I'll be there along with Adrian Sullivan doing the uh, doing the coverage for SCG Live. Um, and for those of you who like Limited, uh, GP Shanghai is happening that weekend. So uh, that'll be something if, if you're interested in, in the limited coverage, you can check that out. Or if you just want to fly to Shanghai and uh, play in it, you can do that too. So I, I kind of want to. Yeah? So you're not going to yeah. be in Boston then? You're just going to fly to Shanghai? <laughs> oh, no, no. I'll definitely be in Boston. <laughs> cool. Well, then uh, I will see you there. You'll have to join us in the booth uh, and talk to us about what uh, h- how well you're doing with, with uh, Call Blade that weekend. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll try. I mean, there's, there's no way that I can run deep in another tournament, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think I could, I could see it happening again. <laughs> uh, so um, I think that's everything for this week then. Uh, as always, we are Yo! MTG Taps. Stop bitching, start brewing. We